0: Former Mexican President Vicente Fox is best known at home as the man who ended 70 years of one party rule in the year 2000, but struggled to live up to expectations as president. Fox has since reinvented himself for an international audience as Donald Trump's most vocal critic, lambasting him with expletives on Twitter and slamming his planned border wall. My name is Stephen Woodman.
1: And I'm Duncan Tucker.
0: You're listening to Viva Mexico, a podcast from Guadalajara offering news and views on Mexico in the age of
1: Trump. This month we'll be airing an extended interview with former President Fox and we'll be discussing the revealing transcripts that have just been leaked of a phone call between Donald Trump and Mexican President
2: Enrique Peña Nieto.
0: Here is former President Vicente Fox.
2: Well, I decided to play a role of a shadow in front of uh, Senor Trump because of a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, I was deeply offended when he spoke so badly about Mexicans, Mexico, and Mexicans in United States. I think he was extremely aggressive. I think we don't deserve what he said about Mexicans, that they're rapists, that they're criminals, so that's Enough reason for me to be in front of him and tell him that he's wrong. Number two, when he expressed the idea of building a wall, a great wall between the United States and Mexico, it's his privilege, it's his right to build whatever wall he wants, as high and beautiful as he wants it. Only he has to understand that U.S. taxpayers are going to pay for that wall and that we in Mexico will never pay for that fucking wall. That has to be very clear to him.
0: Many Mexicans feel that President Enrique Peña Nieto has been too weak in his response to Trump. Do you feel that he's been strong enough answering back?
2: Well, the first... uh Contact When President Peña invited Senor Trump to visit Mexico before he was president, we all think and thought it was a great historical mistake. What do I mean by a mistake? What I mean is that Trump was doing badly on the electoral campaign. He did not show any presidential abilities or any statesmanship capacities. So by coming to Mexico, he took advantage to rebuild his position in front of US audiences. And when he came back to United States, then he had the label of uh, being more presidential. So maybe that historical mistake made Trump become president of United States.
0: And a question more regarding your own presidency. When you were elected president in the year 2000, many people celebrated it as the end of the pre and the beginning of a new age of democracy. Do you, do you have any regret when the pre returned to power in 2012?
2: Well, democracy is democracy, and uh, part of democracy is alternation in power. And this happens everywhere in the world, one party wins, one party loses. So that's what democracy is all about. But uh, I don't regret that PRI came back in the person or the leadership of Enrique Peña Nieto. I had an agreement with him, I even backed him up against the candidate of my own party. And I did it because he committed personally with me that he will uh, move with three profound reforms for Mexico. The education reform, the fiscal reform or tax reform, and the energy reform. All three of them were complied by Peña Nieto. Unfortunately, later on, his government is not doing so well because Mexico still has two cancer tumors that are growing and growing, one is corruption and second is violence, crime and drugs. And that's the big challenge that Mexico has in Mexico and Peña Nieto should face.
0: You recently said that you would personally make sure that the left wing candidate Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador doesn't become the next president. Will you respect the result of
2: the election if he does win? Okay, number one, he will not win. Because in Latin America we have such an awful, sad, terrible experiences with uh, messianic leaders, with false prophets, like we have today with Castro in Cuba, that we have with Hugo Chavez and Maduro in Venezuela. Uh, they have destroyed not only the economy but the nation, so that's not what we want for Mexico and that's why I'm going to do whatever is on my side to avoid Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, the populist, the demagogue, the false prophet uh, in Mexico. I don't think that any Mexican wants to be like Venezuela is today.
0: In 2006, the U.S. ambassador to Mexico said that he didn't think that Andrés Manuel López Obrador had much in common with someone like Hugo Chávez. Do you think they were wrong, the U.S., in
2: 2006? Well, uh, when you see a rabbit, ears, when you see the figure of a rabbit, you have to be sure that it's a rabbit. And this same thing applies to a wolf. I know in his genius because we suffered from demagogues all along the 20th century in Latin America. We suffered from dictators, we suffered from messianic leaders. We suffered from authoritarian governments. And uh, the way Hugo Chavez reached power on a democratic way, is a big danger. That's why I call them false prophets, because they present themselves like sheep when they are really wolves. And the only thing they want is access to power, and then they become dictators. This is the genius. This is the picture I see when I see López Obrador. That's not for Mexico.
0: So Duncan, what did you think about the fact that former President Vicente Fox mentioned this pact with the current President Enrique Peña Nieto?
1: I was quite surprised at how openly he he spoke about it. I think there'd been some suggestion that he'd favoured the the PRI in the last election against his his former party or his own party, the the PAN, but I'd never heard him speak so so openly about actually having a a formal pact with the the PRI candidate to, to defeat his own party's candidate. I thought... That was uh, quite, a, quite a surprising.
0: Duncan, did you enjoy our visit to Centro Fox?
1: Yeah, it was quite interesting to go there to his presidential library, which is, I think, the only, the only one in Mexico. You can see uh, some of the uh, supposed influences or people that he's inspired by. He's got a lot of uh, posters of people like uh, Gandhi and Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela and politicians that you wouldn't necessarily associate with uh, a more conservative uh, leader like, like Vicente Fox. And he's clearly
0: the big figure in the town, the big wig. It's felt a bit like going to visit someone, a lord in their castle, didn't you think?
1: Yeah, it's quite a small little village around. It's kind of dominated by his his, uh, his ranch and his hotel and everything that he's got there. And what did you make of his comments about the, the veteran leftist politician Andres Manuel López Obrador?
0: Well, he's definitely very focused on López Obrador. And it's pretty inconsistent that he defends the return of the pre party on because of democracy on democratic grounds. But then he also says that he'll do everything in his power to stop López Obrador becoming president.
1: Yeah, that kind of goes against the whole idea of democracy that whoever wins the most uh, votes becomes president rather than just having a former president blocking someone else's pathway to power, doesn't it?
0: So Fox has been given a new lease of life in the media with Donald Trump's rise to power and he's become kind of the most vocal critic or troll of Trump.
1: Yeah, I think at least if nothing else good comes of Trump's presidency, which it probably won't, at least it's given Fox a new sense of purpose in life. But um, I don't think Mexicans take him too seriously. He's been doing a lot of interviews recently, but I think they kind of, a lot of people kind of see him as almost like Mexico's drunk uncle, not like a a really serious uh, former politician.
0: And you've been browsing through some of Vicente Fox's most memorable tweets. What did you find?
1: Um, yeah, I've got a few of my favourites here. Um, one was from last year, his wife's birthday. They were throwing a party, and I, th- I think he might have had a few tequilas at this point by the time he tweeted these out. But um, the first one see, he, he posted a picture of the birthday cake, and he said, Trump, this is love. This is great moments. This is sharing that you don't know about. You are missing everything. He followed that up with, uh, you know, Trump, we don't like you. We're proud to share the party with mostly Americans that love Mexico. Then he posted a picture of his wife, uh, Martha, and he said, this is beautiful Martha, my love. It's birthday. (laughs) What do you know about love? (laughs) Or you just know about hating? How sad. So he's become a romantic troll on Twitter. Yeah, definitely. And um, this is another one of my favourites that came just after Trump got elected. It was hashtag Trump. What a team. Nepotism, misogyny, haters, short mind, short views, The nightmare is on. <laughs> Uncertainty is the name of the game. And then uh, there's another one that came out about a week or two ago, I think, was, hey, Trump, I'm watching this really bad reality TV show with low ratings called Survivor White House. I can't change the channel. Sad. <laughs>
0: So I think if Trump is impeached, it would be a good idea for the two to have a charity boxing match. That could be a huge money spinner, couldn't it? Probably better than Mayweather and McGregor.
1: I think it would be uh, just as entertaining at least. And I'd put my money on Fox. Here's part two of our interview with Vicente Fox.
0: You've been a big advocate of the rights of Venezuelan people in the face of government oppression. They are very different situations, but crime and corruption in Mexico is worsening. Doesn't this country need more high-profile leaders to speak up on behalf of the Mexican people?
2: Okay, the comparison is not valid. Venezuela is one thing, Mexico is a different thing. And uh, yes, we do have a big problem in Mexico with corruption and with violence, and we have to work on it. I hope the next president of Mexico, the next leader, and the whole of Mexico, we will give the mother of all battles against these two evils, these two cancers. And now the examples are around. In the case of drug and violence, the answer is legalization of drugs, all drugs. That's my position. With that, I think we take away the money from the cartels and we can defeat them much easier. Number two, I think it's worthwhile to try to sit down with them and negotiate. I'm sure they don't want to be killing each other forever. I'm sure what they're looking for is business. And everything can be arranged sitting on a negotiating table
0: since leaving office you've spoken about this, the legalization of all drugs and there's growing sympathy, this idea around the world but why weren't you able to take steps towards that kind of change during your presidency?
2: I did not because the problem was not as severe as it is today. We should recall that back in 2006 Mexico reached its best its very best rate or indicator about crime in its whole history. 2006 was a paradigmatic year in that sense, and uh, we were on the statistics on nine crimes per each 100,000 inhabitants. For the people that is listening, any nation that is under 10 crimes for every 100,000 inhabitants is in good shape, it's secure. Anything above 10, it begins to to get complicated and if you get to where it happened to get when President Calderón made the big mistake, the historical mistake of bringing in the army to lead the battle against cartels. This indicator went up to 28 crimes per each 100 inhabitants. So it tripled in just one year, and it's been there up until now. Hundreds of thousands of kids have died on the streets. So this has to be stopped, and as I mentioned before, it can be done with the right strategy.
0: There has been a lot of controversy in Mexico over the size of the pensions that former presidents receive. Is it fair that a former president who should have more opportunities to make money than the average Mexican worker
2: should have a pension? I don't know of any nation that doesn't have a similar program for former presidents. Most every single nation has that. I think it's a very wise idea. In the case of extended corruptions like we have in Latin America, I think it's very wise to have this pension plan, this compensation to former presidents. I think if you can ensure a former president that the rest of his life he would have a decent income and that the rest of the life he would have uh, French benefits like uh, Medicare insurance, uh, I think he will behave much more honestly than when you don't have that.
0: Why many Mexicans feel disappointed that they have to pay a president to make sure that corruption is limited?
2: Is López Obrador, the one who is arguing that Mexican people is generous, Mexican people doesn't mind. It's just uh, this messiahs, this false prophet, Lopez Obrador.
0: And my final question, if you were still president today, how would you handle the talks, the NAFTA talks, with the Trump administration?
2: I think NAFTA needs a reshape. It can be improved considerably. It's now 22 years old, uh, the structure of NAFTA, but it's stupid. I said, stupid to Trump to do what he's trying to do to build a wall, to isolate that great nation from the leadership that it has in the world. If you renounce, if you enclose that nation in four walls, you're gonna kill the greatness of the United States. And somebody else will fill up that empty space of the leadership you're resigning to. Please open your eyes. Please, U.S. citizens, watch out. This false prophet is going to take you to the desert.
0: Mr. Fox, thanks very much for speaking to us. Okay,
2: don't take out the stupid.
0: We won't take out the stupid.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, Steve, do
1: you think he can really justify the amount of money that former presidents get? How much is it they're making again?
0: Well, reportedly, he makes more than 200,000 pesos a month, which is... One hundred and thirty-five thousand U.S. dollars a year. That may not sound like much, but it comes with a range of benefits, uh, including staff, security, transport, and it's actually eighty times the minimum wage in Mexico.
1: Yeah. So compared to how the average person lives, that's an absolute fortune, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. And his main defence was the corruption defence—the the idea that. That's necessary to avoid corruption. Um, to be honest, I wasn't completely convinced by his argument on on that because it would be far preferable if the law was they were able to kind of enact laws to prevent corruption rather than have to pay off presidents to make sure that they're honest. Then the honesty is kind of the bare minimum you'd expect from a president.
1: Yeah, and by that logic, you'd also have to pay off anyone with any degree of responsibility. You'd have to play police and judges just on the hope that they then won't be corrupt. I don't think it's really a, a viable idea.
0: And presidents also have much more opportunity to make money than your typical Mexican citizen.
1: Yeah, they can give speeches that they earn pretty well for you. I mean, Fox has got his businesses. I don't think he really needs to be taking taxpayers' money at this point in his life. So, Steve, what do you feel about the way Fox has kind of reinvented himself and his new kind of celebrity status at the moment?
0: Well, I think he's open to charges of attention-seeking with his Twitter activity and his catchphrases. But to be fair to him, I think it's good that he's open to media. He's willing to put forward his viewpoint and defend it. Whereas, for example, Peña is probably already planning his leaving due and has booked his flights to Miami. The Mexican president spends a lot of time hiding away and he's not really available.
1: Yeah, and I don't think I've ever even seen him give a press conference where the reporters are actually allowed to ask questions.
0: And former president Felipe Calderón is not much better. We're still living the consequences of his presidency and he's not made many public appearances where he defends the position that he took on the drug war by sending in troops and using the army. We found out in the UK and the US what happens when you're a politician and you want everything stage managed. So in that sense, it's very good that Fox is willing to engage and defend his positions.
1: Yeah, it probably makes him a bit more uh, relatable. I think people are kind of fed up with these robot politicians like like Theresa May or, or Hillary Clinton. And then that's part of what helped Trump win as well. I think he was, I mean, he's He came across differently and he he appealed, he made more of a connection with his uh, supporters.
0: This week we're given a major insight into Mexico and US relations with a leaked transcript of a phone call between President Donald Trump and President Peña Nieto. How did Peña Nieto come across in the transcript?
1: Well, at first you kind of get the sense that Trump and him have a kind of boss-employee relationship because Trump calls him Enrique and Peña Nieto calls Trump Mr. President, but I think Peña Nieto, he, hes come—he's had a lot of criticism, including on this program, and much of it, the majority of it, I think, is well, well deserved. But in this case, I think he actually does okay. If you look, if you read the transcript, he stays relatively firm and polite. He doesn't really budge on his stance on Mexico not paying for the wall, and he brings up some issues like the fact that a lot of the drug-related violence in Mexico is fueled by the guns and the money coming. In south or coming from the north, moving south across the border from the US to, to Mexico. So I think he actually did reasonably well, I thought, especially compared to their meeting last August, when he invited Trump to visit him in Mexico. And that time, I think he was really, he came across as really timid. And it was basically a public relations disaster. Whereas this time, I don't think he comes across too badly.
0: What were some of the highlights from the transcripts?
1: Well, the, the main thing, I think, was that Trump basically admits that Mexico won't pay for the wall. But he tells Peña Nieto that he can't keep saying in public that Mexico won't pay for the wall. He says they'll, they'll figure something out in terms of paying for it. But he says, you can't talk about this in public because it's hurting me politically. And it's kind of funny to, to see him so talking about that so blatantly after going on and on and on about how Mexico is going to pay for the wall. He also offers to send troops south of the border to help the Mexican government deal with the the bad hombres, which is something that had been leaked uh, a few months ago, but at the time the White House denied it. And now we've seen that that was actually true. But I think the the funniest aspect of it for me was there's a kind of bromance going on between Trump and Peña Nieto. Trump tells Peña Nieto that he speaks better English than he does. And at one point, Peña Nieto speaks of friendship and having constructive relationships. And Trump says your words are so beautiful. Those are beautiful words. And I do not think that I can speak that beautifully. And then he even says, it's you and I against the world, Enrique. Do not forget.
0: If I didn't know better, I would say that sounds like the ramblings of a broken sociopath.
1: (laughs) And then finally, he also said, uh, I want you to be so popular that your people will call for a constitutional amendment in Mexico so that you can run again for another six years. Now, in Mexico, the president's limited to one term of six years. I don't think there's much chance of him being so popular that people are going to call for that to, to be changed, given that his approval ratings are hovering between about 12 and 20%.
0: Trump's very proud of his ability as a charmer, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I think he sees himself as a very smooth talker, doesn't he? But um, I'm not sure whether anyone else shares that assessment. You've been listening to Viva Mexico, a podcast from Guadalajara, bringing you news and views on Mexico and the age of Trump. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our pages on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also check out our YouTube channel to watch the full video of our interview with Vicente Fox. And if you have any comments or questions, you can message us on Twitter at Viva Mex podcast.